Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Okay, so in the previous episode, I was telling you guys that I had went on like this mom outing, but it wasn't an outing. It was like a mom potluck, right? So welcome back. I am Slim, your host. This is Loudly Divorced, my podcast, my favorite podcast, but I'm biased because I am the host. Um... And in this podcast, y'all, I really just be telling y'all too much of my business sometimes. And then I go into detail as to my healing journey, my relationship with my mother, my relationship with my family, the relationship with my kids, my ex-husband, you know, just everything in between. And in today's episode, I really want to talk about making friends in your 30s and how life starts when it's time for it to start and how sometimes we just go through things and we're put on pause and we're put on hold and we're put on the shelf and when the time is right it'll be right for us okay so first let's get that out thank you for coming thank you for stopping by i appreciate the listens going up the streams going up Thank you. Shout out to everybody who is listening. Um, Guten Tag, because Germany, is it Germany or Russia? Germany is really showing out for the kid. Guten Tag. Um, Puerto Rico is showing out as well. Buenos noches, or buenos dias, because it's in the morning time. And, you know, America is still primary. primary. So what up, y'all? And then Trinidad, I really feel like it's my ex-husband's family because it's very odd that Trinidad would be listening to my podcast. But if it's not his family, hello, good night. Hello, good morning. Wham. Stick around. (laughs) Take your shoes off. Anywho, so... Uh, I was invited to this mom potluck and then like we were going back in the group text for a minute, like getting the plans to get together to uh, plan this potluck. Right. Because there are a lot of people moving from out of town um, to the south, which I don't know why people moving down here. It's a nightmare, but whatever. Um, Well, let me not say it's a nightmare. Mm. Excuse me. Move down here and you be the judge. But anywho, um, so we I was invited to the potluck and then basically the pot, well, potluck was for women who had, were moving from out of town or who had moved out of town. Now, it was about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, including someone's including the person who brought it together, including her mom. So it was eight women there. Um. And, you know, we were all supposed to make dishes from our home states or whatever, wherever we were from. But I mean, what do New, what does New Jersey have? I don't even know if we have anything. So I just made this imperial dip that I really like, but I made it non-dairy. Um, it was my first time making it and it was a hit, y'all. It was a hit. Anywho, and I bought champagne because sometimes I, I not sometimes, I bring what I like to drink to other people's parties because... I don't know if you want to have what I like to drink there. And <sighs> let's just start from the beginning. I was invited. They said no kids. We agreed on no kids. I didn't bring my kids. Um, what else? I get there. I am the youngest one there. And 
immediately I pop my champagne, ask for a glass, you know, I'm drinking, I'm eating and we're talking. And I know I had a little anxiety, like going there, getting there. And I feel like I get anxiety because number one, I freaking talk too much. Like I freaking talk too much. I always need to be the center of attention. I always need to be chatty patty. Number one. And it's something that I am working on. And I like I always like coach myself before I go like we are not going to be the center of attention. We ain't got to talk. We ain't got to say nothing. We don't have to. But then I also like, okay, so two things and two things can be true. I learned that from my therapist. So on the one hand, I get anxiety because I'm like, okay, what if they don't like me? Which in hindsight, who cares? Um, Because then I would have gone and realized that wasn't the group of people I need to be around. And number two. I felt like, what was number two? What if they judge me? I don't know. Either way, I went in there with preconceived notions. But I told myself I wasn't going to talk a lot. But I start, I had my second glass of champagne and shorty just was yappy, yappy, yappa, yappa, yappa. That's what I was doing. So we're talking, we're laughing, we're chilling. It's two Jamaicans there. And I'm always like, oh, my grandfather's Jamaican, you know. I know nothing about Jamaican culture except what I learned on my own. <laughs> Anywho, um, we're talking. The two Jamaicans are from Brooklyn. I'm like, oh, yes, you know, I'm from Jersey. Shout out, you know, shout out up north, blah, blah, whatever, whatever. And then the other mom, I don't remember where she said. She, I think she said she was from Maryland. So we and then. OK, so then there was another mom that was there that I had pre, went on a previous date with. Um play date with her and she was cool at that play date but then this day she just it just seemed like her vibe was off she was like cutting me dirty looks but then I like I keep telling myself even now like as I play it back I'm like that ain't had nothing to do with me which it didn't but it was just something that I peeped so um I see her I'm not really saying anything but then I also understand that you know I'm a little loud I'm a little loud I'm from Jersey the the Brooklyn girls, they got it because they was loud, too. When you're from up north, you just naturally fucking loud. You just loud and a little aggressive. So I'm talking, we're talking, we're laughing and blah, blah, whatever, whatever. And um, the lady that uh, put the whole thing together, like they were saying, I don't, I don't know her. I guess that's her real, real friend group. I'm just like, I guess somebody she's bringing to me into the group. So um, we get there and or we were talking and I'm just like, I don't see again. And also, I'm the only divorced one. Everybody else is married. I'll explain further later. Anywho, so we were just talking about and I was just like, listen, they were like, oh, you you a wild one. And I was like, no, I, I said, I think after my divorce, I realized that I spent so many years being sad and not really enjoying my life that now, like, I'm just like, listen, I'm taking life by the balls and I'm not looking back and I'm not going to feel remorseful about it and I'm not going to feel sad about it. My kids are well taken care of, you know, I want to say well behaved. (laughs) They act how they act. They are well mannered. They are very polite and loving children, but they act like all children with high energy Um, sometimes. Anywho. But so the other mom, um, I'm just like, you need to get out or they were telling her she needs to get out. I don't ever tell anybody they need to get out. I just be like, look, I'm, I'm always doing something lit. You're welcome to come. You're welcome to come. So um, 
She's like, I'm a mom and a wife. I got responsibilities. Now, her responsibilities include taking care of her husband. And that's where we differ. So the women that are from up north, all of their husbands take care of them. All of their husbands take care of them. They contribute to the household, but all of their husbands take care of them. So it's very interesting being here and speaking to moms and their husbands do not take on the bulk of the financial responsibilities. That is one thing that I noticed. So when she was saying that we had had that conversation prior to that night and I'm just in my head like you shouldn't be that stressed like you shouldn't be that stressed. You should not have to. But she also said that she didn't care the type of husband she got. She just wanted somebody that was pretty and that looked good. And I told her prior to that dinner, I was like, that's the problem. The pretty dudes, some, some, not all, some of them pretty dudes want to be taken care of. They do. If you look at the research on feminine men, a lot of them look for women that have a certain characteristic and want to be the provider for them because they want to do anything and everything to keep a man. I go into situations knowing that it's not you choosing me. It's not even me choosing you. We're choosing each other and we're choosing to be with each other. And I'm never going to be choosing to take care of my husband unless we've been married for so long and he's unable to take care of himself at that point. That's that. So... In that, like I started to dissect the whole thing and I was just feeling like, dang, maybe I shouldn't have did this. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I do feel like I could have not drank as much as I did, Um, but nobody else was drinking my champagne. It was just me. But whatever. That's not a reason to overdrink. Anywho, uh, not overdrink. I had two glasses of wine and no water. Um, What happened after that? So we were just talking and they were like, yeah, you know, we got to get together. We got to do this. We got to do that. We could go salsa dancing, blah, blah. And I'm just telling her all the stuff I do. I'm like, you know, it's a um, the museum is free every Wednesday night. Um, They got a restaurant in there. We can grab a drink, walk around the museum. Um, We can go to the salsa club like we can we can actually do stuff like we don't have to. I'm like, I don't know if y'all smoke hookah. I'm not really a big fan, but I'm like, it's an alleyway. I don't know. And she and then the girl. I'm not going to say she she was flexing, whatever. She like, this, this these my stomping grounds. I know everywhere to go. I just don't be going nowhere. And I'm just, and my thing is they're convinced, like they're trying to convince her to go out. Me, I realize that I'm not the type of person that's going to drag you to go anywhere because I feel like nine times out of 10, you're not going to have fun. I don't hang out with people who don't like to hang, hang who don't like to have fun. I'm going to let you know that now. I don't hang out with people who cannot let loose. And I don't hang out with people who, who got to record the whole night. Like, And let me just say this. We're going to get some content. <laughs> We're going to get some content. We're going to take some cute pictures. We're going to take some cute videos at the beginning of the night. But then after that, phones down, phones in your pockets. We about to turn up. And that's another thing. I need to stop turning up as much as I do. But I always felt like if I'm not going to be with my kids, I'm going to have a good time because I'm a mom all year round, especially this year. I'm a mom all year round. So it's like I need to make sure when I'm not with my kids, I'm having fun. So if I have to force you to come out, I don't want y'all don't invite me to that. Don't invite me because it's not going to be a good time because then you're going to be like, oh, my husband went like this. I don't know if I, I listen. Listen. 
it could be because I'm divorced, but I think even when I was married, like I had a very interesting marriage, so let's not compare. But I just feel like, and even when I get married again, he's just not going to be the focal point of everything. I'm not going out with the intentions to sleep with anybody, to get anybody's number, to do any, to do anything of the sorts. Now, if men, excuse me, are offering to pay for things, absolutely. I don't ever want to spend my own money. But I'm not going out with the intention of being snobby. I'm like I when I people don't like to dance anymore. People don't like to have fun when they go out. When I go out, oh, I'm in the middle of the dance floor. I'm enjoying myself. I'm enjoying myself. And I don't care who's watching. I don't care who feels some type of way. I don't care who's feeling like, oh, she going over. Whatever you feel like is however you feel. I'm going to enjoy myself. And that's period. That's on gang. I don't want to get up into like, and I'm not, I'm taking this with me into my forties, into my fifties, into my sixties, into my seventies. I'm taking this into uh, until I can't party anymore. I am because I don't ever want to be the type of person who stops having fun. If I stop having fun, that means I am not alive anymore. And I'm breathing. I have air in my lungs. I'm going to always have fun. So even though I was feeling like, oh, I don't want to be judged and this, this and that, what I realized and what I took away from that was that I do need to not always be the focal point of conversations. But I also, oh, that was the second thing I was feeling like. I feel like people be saying that, like, I have a certain energy. So I'm used to people using or I'm used to people, um, what's the word, exploiting that portion of me. So I'm used to the people that know me closely exploiting the fact that I do like the party and I do like to have fun and wanting me to be their gesture. So because I've lived in that light so long, it's easy for me to slip back into it when really I don't want to do that and I don't need to do that. I can enjoy myself without being the center of attention and without trying to play the house gesture for everybody else. And that's something that I'm learning. And that's something that I appreciate learning about myself now that I've gone to that dinner. Um, what else? Um, yeah. And then learning and understanding things now in my thirties, like I used to always feel like, dang, like I was looking at everybody else's level of success and what they were getting and how people were getting these great jobs and these great relationships, which things only look great on the outside, but whatever. Nothing is ever perfect. I was looking at other people's successes and not hating and not being jealous, but being like, dang, like I'm out here doing all this good. I'm out here, you know, Keeping a brave face, putting a smile on my face, continuously going and trying to be all that I can be. But when is it going to be my turn? You know, when is it going to happen for me? But everything happens in its own timing. Everything happens in its own timing. And that's something that I had to learn. That's something that I've learned the hard way. That's something that I've learned the hard way. And I ain't even going to sit here and, and sugarcoat it and make it seem like it's something that I learned easily. It's something that I learned the hard way. And while reading um, Failing Up, it's, uh, let me see if I can find the passage. Give me one second. Uh, 
it was pretty much saying that um, he had gotten to it's an actor uh, who played on Hamilton and he was talking about how he felt like he hit a plateau in his career and how he his father-in-law helped him get out of it. And I might have to read y'all the passage at a I'm going to have to. Re- oh, he was talking about. Um, so his his father in law uh, had an acting. It was like a voiceover acting class for like commercials and stuff. And he was like this big Broadway star, like his first debut, uh, his first debut. What is it called? Debut role was in rent when he was 18. So like fresh out of high school. And he uh, so he had pretty much been in the game for almost. 10 years at that point and so he took the acting class like he was at the point of getting up and giving up and looking for other roles to play in in the entertainment industry but no longer in theater and so his father-in-law was like listen I've been inviting you to my class for over a year now just come and see how you like it so he said the first class he realized that the newcomers he's like you can tell the newcomers versus a pro right they have this, the pros have this jaded, I've been beat up by the industry look to them. They have a sound to them because they've been turned down and faced rejection so long. And he's like, but the newcomers, they have this zeal, they have this zest. And his father, his uh, father-in-law is a, uh, he's like an acting coach, we'll say. And so as he's teaching the class, he said a lot of directors not directors what casting directors they listen to people's or excuse me they watch people's audition tapes on mute because it's not in what they're saying it's the spark in their eyes right and he said and so now Leslie Odom he's talking about when they so as they were watching the class uh his father-in-law did his last and Leslie said immediately in the first 45 seconds of watching his own tape, he can see he could see that he no longer had that zeal and that zest for acting or for theater anymore. And because he considered himself a quote unquote pro and he had been jaded. And he said within the first week after the first week, he had booked two commercials. And then after the second and third week, he had booked a um, series regular and then something else in New York. But basically, he was saying that he had now gotten that life back into him because he was realizing that it wasn't that he needed to pivot and do something else. He just needed that spark and that excitement again. And honestly, that's what I felt tonight. I felt like. It wasn't that I need, it's not that I need to keep rebranding myself because honestly, there was nothing wrong with what I was doing in the beginning of my content creation journey. Like I, my sister and I, we had a natural hair um, channel and my hair was long, y'all. My hair was long, beasting, you hear me? Long. But we stopped that and we didn't continue it because I felt like, oh, if she's not going to do it with me, then maybe like it's not the right time, blah, blah. But at that time, if I would have continued making YouTube videos, then I would have been a millionaire. But it wasn't the right time. And then I had, what did I have after that? I think I was done with content creation for a minute after that. I didn't really put anything. Oh, then I had my Instagram and I wasn't really like looking to become a comedian. I was like putting out like 
funny vaginal videos, like videos about vaginal health and uh, videos about healthy eating. I had a um, a healthy workout um, page and all of that other stuff. But because people would like start making little subliminal videos about like, oh, everybody wants to be a comedian because they would see that my videos would always get over 500 views, always over 300 views. And I was always getting traction. People were always watching me. Even if they was saying hating that shit under my page, under my posts and stuff, there was a lot of people watching what I was doing. And I allowed other people's negative comments to stop me from going and pursuing it further. And then after that, it was my podcast, which I still have my podcast, but I was kind of like in and out, in and out, in and out. And then after that, it was my second YouTube channel. And I was talking about hypergamy. And I had actually successfully found a, a man to take care of me and my children and, you know, really created the life that I wanted. Right. But then I ended the relationship. Um, and now I was back to square one and now I was like, now what am I going to do? But I still wanted to do content creation, but I was so fearful of what like other people were saying. And I was so fearful because I'm like, damn, now I'm back here living with my mother. Now I'm back here, back to ground one, back to space one, back to doing this. And it was always something I was always allowing things to knock me down, knock me down, knock me down and feeling like, ah, like it's just not great timing. It's just not great timing. It's just not great. But when is it the right time? I, everybody is online looking so perfect and polished and like, oh, I just have everything together. That's cool for you. That's cool for you. And I was also always feeling like, okay, dang, like I'm 32. Like I got two kids. I'm divorced. Like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? I have all these goals. I have all these things that I want to do with my daughters. I have all of this stuff that I have and I can see for myself, but what am I doing to accomplish it? And if I'm not making any moves on it, ain't nobody about to sit, come and like rip me out of the room and rip me out of my bed and rip me out of the house and rip me to do all of this stuff. No, I have to do it for myself. So that's just what I'm doing now. Like I'm not allowing the fear of me being 32 to stop me anymore. And I know people are like, oh, you shouldn't, especially in the hypergamy community, you should not tell people your age and, you know, you shouldn't leave, lead with that, your divorce and blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And certain things you do need to protect, like dating now, I probably wouldn't tell anybody that I have like all these social medias or anything like that. I probably wouldn't. Um, maybe just my cooking page. But outside of that, like, no, there's nothing else that you need to see about me. I just feel like I'm done with it. Like I'm done with hiding and doing all of that other stuff. I'm just ready to get to my next level. And I feel like I've been patient and stagnant for so long that it's just time for me to get a move on. You feel me? So that's what we're doing. So with that being said, I hope this has encouraged you to, you know, take the next step. Get to the next part of your life get to the next version of you because it's waiting it's waiting nobody's gonna hold your hand nobody's gonna push you nobody's gonna drag you it's only you keeping yourself from reaching that next level so with that 
Good night. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir. Buenos noches. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. And what did I say in the previous episode? Leave me a five-star review. I don't have time for anything less. Okay, bye.